Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Development Hell. Available now from Dread, the Queen of Spades. According to legend, an ominous entity known as the Queen of Spades can be summoned by performing an ancient ritual. Four teenagers summon the Queen of Spades, but they could never imagine the horrors that await them. The Queen of Spades is available on demand everywhere and on Blu-ray, July 3rd, 2021. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong, and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. So today we are talking about Guillermo del Toro's The Haunted Mansion, Guillermo del Toro is someone that has endless amount of projects stuck in development hell. We've covered them before, and we will cover them again. But this is one that I've always been really interested in. I'm obsessed with gateway horror, and we're going to get into that in a bit. But today we have a really exciting guest. We have David Weiner with us. Hi, David. Can you introduce yourself? Because I feel like you'll just do a better job. Sure. This is David Weiner, and this is the sound of my voice. Uh, I uh, am a documentary filmmaker, arguably a long-form documentary filmmaker. Uh, I've made In Search of Darkness and In Search of Darkness Part 2, which uh, are about 80s horror movies. Uh, And I'm working on, as we speak, In Search of Tomorrow, which is about 80s sci-fi movies. Prior to being a uh, documentary filmmaker, uh, I was and still am an entertainment journalist. Uh, a, a, I was a ma- magazine editor of Famous Monsters of Filmlight magazine. I worked for Entertainment Tonight for 13 years, writing for them. And um, yeah, I've 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 done a thing or two. Uh, and uh, I was even in development. And so I know a very. I have a, I have a, a I've had a bird's eye view of. Uh, Bird's eye view, fly on the wall view of uh, mm-hmm. development hell. Of okay, so you're you're the bad guy. 
You're you're the one that we're always complaining about. That. That's I, that's why I I got out of development. Oh, okay. But we'll get to that. We'll get okay. to that. You didn't want to be the suit anymore. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, I would say that I finally put the cherry on top of a career that I was already very happy with. Um, I, I, I came out, I went to film school and uh, at Ithaca, upstate New York, Ithaca College Film School. And then I came out to uh, California and Los Angeles to, to Tinseltown and uh, wanted to pursue my, my film dreams. And the first thing I wanted to do was work on a movie set. And I accomplished that right away. And I worked on movies running around with a, with a, with a walkie talkie and a headset as a assistant director, uh, as locations, as a PA, as a stand-in, as art department, as locations, as, uh, you know, whatever, you know, I could do. And I did that for four years on movies, on TV, uh, commercials and, and music videos. And, um, but I realized after four years of standing around on a set for 15, 18, 20, 24 hours a day, uh, I realized I probably didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And also no one was going to hand me a movie to write or direct. So development was what I looked at next. And, uh, I realized I need to understand how a script goes through the development system and gets made. How does anything get made? First of all, you got to either do it yourself or show that you can do it. And second of all, I figure if I'm going to learn how things, how, how scripts do get made, how projects do get, get packaged and put together, uh, why not do it from uh, from the, the ivory towers where all these scripts go through the machine? And that was kind mm-hmm. of my, you know, approach. How do you find the difference between the sci-fi fans and the horror fans? Is it massive? I think there's, a, you know, a really good genre filmmaking often is crossover anyway. Uh, so a sci-fi, you know, aliens is like the ideal answer to that, you know, or ghostbusters, you know, uh, you know, there's a little bit of horror, there's a little bit of action, there's a little bit of comedy, there's a little bit of sci-fi, there's a little bit of darkness, there's levity, uh, you got a little of everything. And I think just creative storytelling, uh, you know, is really what I personally gravitate to. And I find the fans, you know, some people are a little more polarized where you really have the hardcore horror fans and that's really what they're all about. That's their identity. Sci-fi, same way, but a little bit different. Um, I've always loved all of them. That's why That's why Famous Monsters was such a great magazine for me when I was a kid growing up because I was into the fantasy. I was in, you know, Ray Harryhausen movies and stop motion animation and King Kong and, you know, Planet of the Apes and... You know, uh, George Powell's sci-fi and Roger Corman, you know, B-movie mm-hmm. horror, all that kind of stuff came together with classic, you know, with Godzilla and classic universal, you know, monsters. And and all this stuff was encapsulated in, in one magazine, Famous Monsters magazine, which was sci-fi and fantasy and horror. And it was just movie history and, and uh-huh. sort of peeling back the layers there. And so, yeah. A stupid you know. question, but are they still around? I'm guessing no. It's not a stupid question. Uh, it's probably it's actually a very good question because they were they it, it, the magazine started in 1958 and it went straight through till about 82 and then it disappeared for about 10 years and then it came back in different iterations and forms and came and went and came and went and then it came back. Phil Kim was the uh, the publisher and he got the rights to make the the magazine and I came on uh, first as a writer and then as managing editor and then executive editor of the magazine was you know pinch me i get to be the editor-in-chief of the magazine i loved as a kid wow. and that was in 2015 and 2016 and the magazine is no longer around 
But who knows? Maybe one day someone will buy it, I license it, and bring it back. You know, maybe it'll be you. Who knows? I I might have been someone who tried at a certain point. Oh, really? <laughs> well, you know what they say: it doesn't work out the first time. Give up. Yeah, don't there keep, we go. Don't keep going. You're busy. Yes, I um, think I think Mark <laughs> Hamill says, "Give up on your dreams or try one of the two. <laughs> so everything you said kind of leads me mm, to get a bit of an answer for this next question. But I wanted to know, why did you pick Haunted Mansion? What, ha- what drew you to this? The Haunted Mansion, uh, I should probably give a background to my 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 give and take with Disney over my, my lifetime. Uh, when, when I was a kid, uh, I went to, I, I, I'm happy to reveal my age. I was born in 60, 1968. So I was a 70s kid and an 80s kid. You know, I was like a 70s kid and an 80s teen. And when I was a, a little kid, Disney World had just opened. Uh, I grew up in in New York and my parents went there and took me there. And those are some of my earliest memories. Mm -hmm. So I've been very fortunate to have Disney as part of my life just ever since I was a kid. Uh, Even to the point where Chip and Dale, they tickled me so hard and they wouldn't let me go that it was absolute pain. And I now have a a vendetta against Chip and Dale. What's the deal, man? Oh, um, a, a trauma maybe. I think so. I was laughing so hard and they just wouldn't let go. It, was, it did become... For about three seconds, from... I thought you were talking about a male strip club, but I, I got there. I, no, I... no, no, no. I, I, you got to pay that. You got to pay them to tickle you. But, yes, you know, whereas Chip and Dale, they do it for free. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but oh. we, di- we digress. But the thing is, <laughs> ultimately, as you get older, uh, most people, at least of my age, it, it was cool to be very cynical about, you know, Disney and the mouse house, mm-hmm. you know, M-A-U-S, you know, that kind mm. of stuff. And, oh, yeah. it's corporate, you know, whatever it may be. And um, But then, you know, you realize I still love going to Disneyland and Disney World. It's fun. How could you just, how could you not like that stuff? Because uh, the older I got, the more I really recognized the, the incredible artistry, craftsmanship, the attention to detail in all okay. of their their rides, their concepts, um, everything in terms of the theme park. And so then when you have a kid, you get to embrace what you ultimately rejected because you kind of have no choice. So I sort of, you know, the pendulum swung back and and I've been to Disney. I live near Disneyland in in Los Angeles. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been there more times than I I could even tell you. And uh, it's an absolute thrill of just getting my kid to go there. And to answer your question, because I do believe you had a question there, Mm -hmm. is that Haunted Mansion, of all the things that I do there, other than maybe the the, the thrill of Space Mountain and now the fact that they have Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But other than that, Haunted Mansion was always my go-to spot. And it's Mm -hmm. one of my son's favorite places. And because he's a chip off the old block, uh, it just it brings me so much joy. And so I have always wanted the ultimate haunted mansion movie. And uh, when we did get an on it, you know, I guess we'll get to it, but when we did get to a a haunted mansion movie with Eddie Murphy, uh, I already knew something was amiss before I even saw it, but I still saw it with high hopes. And I just, you know, yeah, I saw that I today for the first time. And oh, I'm, for the first time? For the first time, and I'm I very excited. I want to know what you think. Oh, when we oh we're going to get there. I, I, yeah. I promise. I promise you. But before we do, um, I'm going to give our listeners just a little bit of a background on the Haunted Mansion attraction. So the Haunted Mansion is a dark ride at Disneyland, Disney World, Tokyo Disneyland, Paris Disneyland, and Hong Kong Disneyland. So it's all over the world. 
Uh, it opened in 1969, and riders would go through a haunted mansion resided by 999 happy haunts. <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask you if you'd ever been on the Haunted Mansion ride, but yes, of course you have. So instead, I'm going to say, do you remember the first time you went on a Haunted Mansion ride? I do not remember the first time. Uh, I cannot tell you if I went when I was three years old, when I first went to Disney mm. World. Uh, in fact, I, I don't think they had it at Disney World. I could be wrong. You said it opened in 1969. But in I Disneyland, think that was at Disneyland. You are so, correct. So there you go. So when I went to Disney World in like 1971... Uh, I don't mm. think it existed yet. And oh, so cool. the first time I went to Disneyland was in 1980. And so cool. it had to have been then. I love it. Disney World had my favorite Disney ride, which was, I think it's gone now. Yeah. Um, Tower of Terror. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, so good. I don't think that's at Disneyland. Am I wrong? Uh, they do have it. It's a California adventure. So oh, Disneyland has that separate theme park, California Adventure. They turned oh. Tower of Terror, which I, I went to the opening of Tower of Terror at, at California Adventure when I was oh. at Entertainment Tonight, and I could do things like that. Uh, and so I went to the big opening party, and it was super cool. Uh, and now it's a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. And all I can say right. is that the ride itself is super cool. I wish it was the Twilight Zone, but it's not. Oh, yeah. And I they, was so They just scared. opened up Avengers Campus there. Ugh. Listen, I'm I'm now the older generation that, you know, is just not it's this content's not for me. All the superhero stuff it's not really targeted at me and so I'm mad about it, but I'm sure it's bringing many kids lots of joy, so I don't want to take that away from them. Please do. Uh for me, my first time going on the Haunted Mansion was probably was it 1997, and I'm sorry if this I don't know. You don't care about age. It was 1997, <laughs> and I was in grade two. Uh -huh. And while I'm now a huge, huge horror fan, I was like a very pansy child. I was very nervous about everything. And I had like a conniption on this ride. My mom still talks about it to this day. Because you, you get in there, and you it feels like you're locked in, and those portraits start to move. And it was overwhelming for me wow. and i remember i like i couldn't look and i remember the whole time my mom was like it's 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 nice you should look it's it's awesome and then about halfway through i opened my eyes and i thought well this is my identity now this is who mm -hmm. i am and i've never really looked back these are I the things well, if i could just interject that, <laughs> please, that, please. that that you know pun intended or not they haunt you you know, there, there's something about uh, a, a very early memory that that was not quite right or different or not what you expected. And oh, yeah. you really do end up kind of chasing that down to confront it and deconstruct it and understand it, arguably, for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah. And that, that's usually the sort of the subconscious attraction to wanting to talk about it today. I mean, I feel like you know better than anyone with, with your series. Even in the title alone, I feel like it's alluding to what you're saying right now. In Search of Darkness, if anyone forgot. Um, I love, like, I think a lot of horror fans love gateway horror. But for me, it's like, you know, it, it's a big deal. Like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike. Like, I haven't managed to let go of that stuff yet. And it's you know, uh, informed me creatively over the years. And you can see that with Guillermo del Toro also. You can see that this is a, a genre or even dark filmmaker who's really inspired by, like, 
child wonder. Mm-hmm. And I think when you combine that with maybe more adult themes, like you can get some amazing storytelling out of that. Are you a Guillermo del Toro fan? Are you specifically um, interested in his work? I am a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. Uh, I have spoken to him several times uh, by way of uh, famous monsters. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, he had this wonderful exhibit at the at the L.A. County Museum of Art mm-hmm. uh, that I got to go in. And, and that was a real ultimate convergence, too, because he is the ultimate geek. And that's how, one of the reasons why I connect with him is I don't think he's posturing. I think it's absolutely oh, it's real. genuine. It's, and, it's legit, yeah. And and he he had his own collection of original Famous Monsters magazines, and he literally put them on display at oh. a museum. And so while I was editor, I could stand by Famous Monsters in a museum exhibit at the LA County Museum of Art, and I felt this is like, this is Nirvana right here. That's that's wild, a little cerebral. I got to see, I'm pretty sure I got to see the same exhibit. It came to Toronto. Yeah, it, it worked it, its way around. Yes, it sure did. And it, it, it was like, I found it really moving, You know, I, I, more than I thought I, I would, because I, I connect with him so much. There was a section called, I think it was called The Rain Room, mm-hmm. where he, he, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Or do you? Uh, keep talking. Uh, Oh, yeah. So he had a section in the exhibit called The Rain Room, when it looks like a gothic office. Yes, yes, yes. I remember yeah. this, yes. And he apparently he has this installation in his home, yes. where it's a beautiful gothic office, and all of the windows are actually LED screens uh-huh. with projecting, like, a lightning storm or a rainstorm. And there's also, like, an amazing sound system projecting that in the room as well. So it just feels like you're in this beautiful gothic haunted office in the middle of, like, an extreme thunderstorm and it's perfect mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i think every like your every house should come with like a bathroom <laughs> a, a rain room and like a little porch because i just think it's really important for the soul well it's like you know when people are you know they're kind of depressed and they need you know that vitamin d they they you know doctors say get out in the sun you literally need that for your body and yeah. i think the the inverse is also uh, equally important it's like when you're in kind of a mood or you know uh you want to sort of wax nostalgic but you know mm-hmm. it's not a happy place uh i, I by all means i mean i'm i i in los angeles we do not get the thunderstorms that i used to get uh, when I was a kid growing up or just any, most people get anywhere else. But in Los Angeles, it's a rare occasion to have a thunderstorm. And I really, really, really miss that. And uh, where your, your creativity and your mind wants to go when you're in that, that frame of mind. I understand that. I live in Toronto and we have amazing rainstorms and I've always fantasized about going to LA, but I, I think that would be really tragic to lose that. Yeah, it, it, there's the, there's the summer season and then there's the rainy season. So usually like in November, um, November through March or so, it rains a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, growing up in, in, in New England, um, you know, where it could just rain at the, you know, turn of a dime, whatever the, the phrase would be, you know, it just rains, you know, drop, 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 and then downpour. Oh, so you grew up in Stephen King country? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. I grew up in, in in Westchester, New York, and I went to school in New England and upstate New York. So I just know that, you know, well, yeah. like no that. wonder you're spooky. But then I went to the first time I ever came out to California. I, I had an uncle out here and he's like, I, I, he was driving a convertible and he parked the car and we went to lunch. And I said, aren't you going to? 
opposed to convertible. He's like, why? I said, well, what if it rains? He's like, he looked at me and he just, he's like, it, it, it doesn't rain. It won't rain. It can't rain in the summer. And I, I just could not wrap my brain Tragedy. around that. But now I understand. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I got to stay where I am. Uh, so Guillermo del Toro is, as I think I mentioned earlier, notorious for having just more unproduced projects than actual produced ones. Um, some of them, some of them which are maybe more famous than others would be his Disney Wind in the Willows, his adaptation of the Halo video game, Hellboy 3, which is one that means a lot to me and I will cover at one point, The Hobbit, Justice League Dark at the Mountains of Madness, and many more. Is there anything from this list that resonates with you as, you know, particularly tragic of a loss? I was really hoping that he would get to do another Hellboy movie because (sighs) Hellboy is one of... uh, Hellboy might sit at the top of my favorite... uh, I mean, I love Pan's Labyrinth, but in terms of just pure entertainment value, Hellboy is so fun. I Um, love it. I'm with uh, you here. And I'm one of those people who uh, I love comic books, but I'm not a comic book geek. So that movie, before I got into Mike Mignola's comic work, you know, that was my introduction to Hellboy. I knew it was a comic, but I never read it. And so it, I, I figured title alone, it was a lot darker and less whimsical than it ended up being. And so and then Hellboy 2 really got super duper duper creative. And it was at, that was at a time when CGI had gotten so out of control that anything that was a CGI film, I just immediately just, uh, it, it turned me off because I just, it wasn't tangible. It was fake. And so here comes Hellboy two, where you have these, all these amazing creature effects and amazing uh, in-camera effects that uh, it's all practical. It's all tangible. And uh, that really put Guillermo on the tops of my directors to watch you know by then i already was but you know, I it cement, cemented my love so i'll just say real quick with hellboy 3 yeah. i know that he wanted to do it but i also knew that uh he couldn't get enough money to do what he really wanted and uh it was sad yeah very sad and i love hellboy being your answer for a favorite grandma del toro movie because a very non-pretentious answer and b they're so good. Especially, I, I especially resonate with that second Hellboy movie. They're just so magical and entertaining. They're like perfect. The and, pretentious answer would be, you know, oh, why hasn't he made Mountains of Madness yet? You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know where, I, I want to see Cthulhu. But, you know, it's like and, and anything, you know, with Lovecraft. But uh, I really wanted to see his Hobbit. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I really wanted, I wanted uh, Peter Jackson when Peter Jackson said, I'm going to produce it, I'm not going to do it. He, of course, we all know he ended up doing three of them again. So he did six, you know, Middle Earth movies. But when Peter Jackson, for a moment there, was having problems uh, with New Line and Warner Brothers and wanted to only produce, and Guillermo was, was in line to do it, I was gung-ho for it to happen. Furthermore, I wanted to say that when, when Disney said they're going to make a bunch of, uh, you know, anthology spin-off one-off movies you know for star wars um or that they were going to look for you know another director for the next star wars movie whatever it would be i so badly wanted guillermo to do a star wars movie, and maybe he would phenomenal and can you imagine the alternative universe where he made the hobbit films and instead of what we actually got yeah this is imagination it just it, you know I, i'm gonna step one 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 
step forward and just say, I, I believe Crimson Peak was sort of tangentially his Haunted Mansion movie because he didn't get to make Haunted Mansion. Yes, I am glad that you brought that up because Crim- Crimson Peak is very obviously, at least to me, feels like, you know, he really wanted to make this Haunted Mansion movie and that's kind of what he made instead. I will be honest with you, it's one of my least favorite of his outings, even though tonally and visually it's everything that I would ever want. But for some reason, I, I've only seen it once, but the story kind of fell flat for me. And maybe it's just, you know, it flew too close to the sun for my interests, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. For me, for me, I, I'm in agreement that I, I believe it looked better than the narratively it was. Um, I, I, I have kind of like a three-strike rule with, with uh, leaps of logic. And, you know, if the, the first one can come and go and it catches my attention, but I won't dismiss a movie based on just anything because I understand how difficult it can be to to pull off a story um but once you get a second strike and then the third strike it takes me out and his movie unfortunately with leaps of logic just to sort of get from one point to another ultimately disappointed me but i still i i I believe i think about that movie a lot from a visual standpoint and i i do plan to return to it simply because it's it's I think I think now that I'm over the fact that I was a little disappointed, I think I'll probably appreciate it that much more. I think I'm going to be the same way. I think I'll, I'll probably like it a lot more. Although I will say the casting, ugh, it's just not. It's not. Well, not it's Tom Hiddleston. I, 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 I'm I'm in the midst of the Loki uh, TV series, series. and uh-huh. so it's making me saying, oh, what other Tom Hiddleston can I see? I don't want. I don't want to go to Kong Skull Island again. What can I watch? Maybe I'll get a crimson piece again. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't here nor there in my memory of it, but um I don't know how to say her name, but Alice in Wonderland. Right. Mia something. Mia Mia Wasikowska. Mia, Mia. Thank you. I don't know. I just I don't there's not a lot going on over there. I and probably also we butchered Mia's name too. Sorry. Listen, you better you than me. Um <laughs> and was it Eva Green, another person that I'm just not that interested in at yeah. the end of the day. But I do love Del Toro and I I hope I I would ugh, I would love to see a Hellboy 3. But with that Hellboy reboot, you know, it makes it feel like it's never going to happen, which I never uh, saw. It. I never I never saw the the Harbor Hellboy. I, I avoided it, and then I did watch it, and I actually found it to be much more entertaining. Uh, I got over it. I, I, I have a, a strange approach to a lot of these sort of reboots and remakes and things like that. At first, I just say I'm happy with what I've seen, so I don't need to see this. Uh, but then oftentimes my curiosity gets the best of me and I'll be like, well, if it's right in front of me and I'm not sure what I want to watch, I'll give it a go. Uh, and I do mm-hmm. like David Harbour. And I think his, yeah, he's cool. his, his, that movie was much because it got so, so universally panned by, by critics and fans, arguably alike for the most part. I know there are a lot of people who really did like it. Um, I, I with that bad. in mind, I was like, well, how bad can it be? And watching yeah. it, I was like, well, actually, this is quite entertaining. Um, so I would say it's actually a good movie if you can get over all the baggage. And I can't. Um, and I refuse <laughs> to. And I think that's my that's my right. So speaking again about the Haunted Mansion reboot, I'm going to just give us a little bit of background on it. So at the 2010 Comic-Con convention, DeToro did announce that he was working on a Haunted Mansion film. Uh, He wasn't a big fan of the 2003 version, which we still have yet to discuss. And he wanted to make something darker and something a little bit more elevated, something that didn't take place in this world per se. 
uh, he was going to bring back the Hatbox Ghost. Now, before I get into that, do you what do you, are you were you familiar with the Hatbox Ghost before today? Uh, well, before today, absolutely. In fact, I've okay. seen I've seen the Hatbox Ghost in action uh, yeah. when it returned to the haunted mansion. Um, okay. And now I now I'm not listen. I, I love all this stuff, but I'm not such a hardcore fan that I knew when it was back and planned a visit to see it. So it was a genuine surprise when I was on the haunted mansion on one of my trips to Disneyland. I'm like, wait uh-huh. a minute. That's the hey, box ghost. He's not supposed yes. to be there. When did yeah. they put that in? 2015, um, baby. Well, there you go. So she arrived. Uh, I, I, I got to enjoy it in, in, an, in an organic fashion. With, I love uh, that. Without the build up um, or the hype. Um, so, yes, I know about the hat box ghost. That's awesome. Um, so for people at home that may be less familiar with the Hatbox Ghost, the Hatbox Ghost is kind of a Disney legend of some kind. He is an animatronic character that originally appeared at the Haunted Mansion opening day, but was removed quickly after uh, because the effect didn't work so great. So the effect of the Hatbox Ghost is you have like an elderly spooky man holding a hatbox and when the light shifts, his head disappears from his shoulders and appears in the hat box. And he was in the attic of the Haunted Mansion. I, for so long, assumed that maybe he was removed because he was too scary. But it seems that that's not the case. He was actually just, it didn't work back yeah, in the Yeah, it just didn't work. They, they, yeah. It was a very cool idea. Um, there, there's something about, uh, you know, you said it's a dark ride. When you say it's a dark ride, does that mean literally or conceptually? Uh, literally, like it's like a literal dark ride. <laughs> well, con- conceptually, it goes there too. You know, yeah. I mean, there's, all, there's yeah. A, yeah. But they're you know they're grim, grinning ghosts. So that it says sure it right are. there in the song, in the title, right? It's, oh, yeah. They're grim and they're grinning and they're ghosts. And so, <laughs> you know, it's a ghost. It's death, but it's also like happy. Uh, you know, this is happy. It's the happiest mm-hmm. place on earth. So they managed to have it both ways. I think that's also kind of the appeal for me for the haunted mansion as far as the ride is concerned with Disneyland or Disney world, because that's kind of a bit of a tightrope to, to walk, you know, where you don't want to, you know, show death and dismemberment and, you know, like a, a bride with an ax. And, and I mean, this is all potentially very dark stuff, but it's sort of the spirit of Halloween, you know, mm-hmm. Halloween, you get a ghosts and ghouls and, you know, someone with a, with a knife through their head and everyone laughs and loves it. Any other time of year, uh, out of context, it's horrifying. And so this is kind of the same way. I, I just want to add that with the Hatbox Ghost, uh, I think back then it just it just didn't work properly. It just didn't. It wasn't a believable effect. Uh, when I saw it, apparently they they cracked the code. They figured it out. Um, and this is just me and my perception of it because I didn't really know the whole story about why it didn't work. To me, mm-hmm. it looked like a present day computer generated effect but in you know a practical way so i felt it's not a trick of the light it has to do with you know projections and so on and so forth but i was less impressed by it uh i was like oh yeah yeah i can see what they're doing it's kind of cool but i'm not impressed by it i've always been more impressed by the floating uh crystal ball and oh yeah uh, and madam madam what's Je- her name jennifer tilly <laughs> well yeah jennifer tilly in, in, the, in the haunted mansion movie but the best part of the haunted mansion movie actually yeah well the most the most legit 
yeah, yeah. as far as I was concerned. But that's always been an amazing effect because it floats in front of your face. You work your you work your way around it in a semicircle. So mm-hmm. as soon as you think, well, I could figure it out. There's a projection within a floating ball that's floating up up and down. It's it's magnificent, and it's one of those sort of Disney um, illusions that that has my utmost respect because I can just enjoy it for what it is, even when I try and figure out the magic trick. I love it. I am still like taken aback by some of those old school effects mm-hmm. that they just because i know nothing about how they work it's just it's a little shocking sometimes. well it's almost like when you get into the graveyard where you have the uh the statues singing grim grim, grim grinning <laughs> ghosts mm-hmm. and the statues are singing and uh you know i think you ultimately figure out that it's a projection but the first time you ever see that you you're in that zone you, you've been through three quarters of the entire ride and by that point you're just buying what they're what they're selling and uh it's just amazing that's why i love the haunted mansion so much i can't wait to go back just talking i can't wait either it's it's one of my first like big trips i'm gonna plan after everything's said and done is disney world and i cannot wait i feel like this is a a clumsy moment to sort of backtrack to the 2003 film that i'd like to touch on but we don't have to stay here for too long but because sure. I did suffer through it very recently, I, I feel like I <laughs> it's have fresh. It's I the, have the, to. The, yes. the, the horror is fresh in your mind. I the understand. horror is fresh, fresh in my mind. I just want to like, oh, the acting was just not incredible. Like, I know that's not the movie's number one issue, but the whoever played that wife, either she was given literally nothing to do, which is true, but was, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Marsha Thomason. Um, It's, you know, Haunted Mansion, the movie, is very much like, uh, and in comparison, the other one is better, but like The Golden Child. You know, Eddie Murphy, big star, uh, makes lots of quips and very charismatic. I I love Eddie Murphy, even in movies that he's not very good in. But sometimes it's oil and water. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's a fish out of water, sometimes it's fun. I've always felt like The Golden Child was like a really amazing fantasy where he just shows up and is obnoxiously quipping the entire time. And it doesn't quite gel. And uh, I felt The Haunted Mansion was that, you know, uh, exponentially worse. And so oh, yeah. there are there are nice little nods to the ride and the attraction that are sort of, you know, Easter eggs or inside moments that you could recognize. But um, I just felt like it was Disney saying, all right, we've got Pirates of the Caribbean. What other rides can we make? It uh-huh. came out the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean. That came out in the summer in June or July. Oh, so they, uh, whereas, they, they made whereas, it without realizing how big of a success the other one was going to be. They did. They they said, we're just going to start, you know, let, we got the green light. Let's start turning rides into live action movies and franchises. And that came out in November of 2003. Um, so they might have had time to tinker with it based on the success of, you know. Uh, November. I hate, I hate when spooky movies come out in November. Right. What's the I, point? I, Why not the month earlier? Uh, yeah, I know, and I'm sure there's the lots of competition. And, they put Doctor like, Sleep out in November, and everyone said, why? I mean, that does feel like a November movie to me. Um, just for fun, what did you think of Doctor Sleep? Uh, I really enjoyed Doctor Sleep, uh, because I did not read the book. Um, Neither did I. I. I'm a reader, but I am also a... I am, I, I do read. 
uh, yeah, other, other, other than my social media feed. But the thing <laughs> is, I, I do find that uh, if I haven't read something and I know that they're going to make it a movie, I, I have a personal rule not to read it until I've seen the movie because I always know that I'm going to compare it and the movie more often than not disappoints. So my, my, when I, if I know I want to see the movie and I'm interested in seeing what they're doing, that's my practice. So I hadn't seen, I hadn't read Dr. Sleep. Um, and, uh, I thought it was really well done. I think they should have called it like overlook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though, you know, the, the book is called Dr. Sleep. I think they could have taken some license because I think they had yeah. a real hard time marketing it. I don't think anyone knew what the heck yes, it was. Yes, I don't, they definitely did not do so great which kind of makes sense and did you like it are you quality. a huge shining i um or? i did not like it and i'm a big stephen king fan i'm not a huge shining fan i don't love the book very much i do love the film mm-hmm. uh it's not my favorite stephen king moment and there was something about this movie that i don't know if it just really didn't resonate with me i found it i don't know awkward i have i I don't know. It just didn't work. I do have to throw in that uh, as I was watching it, even though I thought it was very well cast, especially uh, I was impressed that Jack Torrance was played by Henry Thomas. AKA yes, that was Elliot the best part. From ED. Um, yes, the shiny stuff I, was the best part. But in, I have to it. say, I, I, as I was watching it in the theater, I was thinking to myself, well, uh, I'll definitely watch this again once they deep fake everyone to be, you know, Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson. Oh, but that I forget, others, that, you know? and I love that actress too. I don't, I'm sad that I forgot her name. The one that played um, Wendy. What's the name of the wife. Yes, she she did such Wendy a great Torrance. job, Wendy Torrance. And uh, the bringing back the lady in the bathtub was really right? effective and scary too. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I actually just read that book this like this October. Um, it's okay. I, I, there's so many other Stephen King books that I would recommend over that one. I think I uh, my my Stephen King um, the the glory of of I can't wait till I read another one was was in his his probably first quarter of all the things that he wrote. Um, uh, I think I think ago. I sort of slowed down after the um, the drawing of the three or you know uh-huh. the so the eighties once yeah. mid eighties is when you kind of pulled. Oh, but yeah, it was really. Yes, ladies. I mean, I read cover to cover. I read like you know, it's The Stand is one of my all-time great books, favorite books. Yep. Uh, the first one I ever read was uh, literally I I was in the the school library and there was Carrie and I knew about the movie and That's I heard one. of Stephen King and so I sat down. And I said, well, let's see what this is about. And I literally read about three quarters of the book sitting in the spot that I sat down in to read page because it was that much of a page turner and that was what made me a fan between that and uh night shift you know the short stories oh yeah the short stories are what get you but i digress <laughs> yes i also want to say my favorite collection has to be skeleton crew because while some of his worst stories are in there dear god some of the best stories i've ever read are in that one absolutely absolutely but to get back to the haunted mansion reboot because that's why we're here um so, yes, Del Toro announced that he was stepping back when he was working on Pacific Rim. But in 2015, Ryan Gosling announced to be in talks to star in the reboot and that Guillermo Del Toro was still on producing and directing. Ryan Gosling has actually been associated with the macabre himself 
his uh, musical act, Dead Man's Bones, has actually uh, released one album of really good spooky indie music. I know Ooh. it's hard to believe because when because he's a celebrity and what is good indie spooky music? This is it. I swear. Well, well Ryan Gosling is like he's a famous monsters kid. You know, he's a monster kid who you know did Aurora okay. models and 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 just loved all that stuff. And also Ryan Gosling has been attached, you know, because he's, you know, the cream of the crop, you know, he's mm-hmm. been attached to a, a number of projects. And one of the projects he was attached to, and this is a tangential thought, is that he was attached to Logan's Run. And that oh. has been in development hell for uh, an eternal amount of time. That's um, an interesting one. But at one point when he was attached to that, I thought, oh, maybe they'll finally make this Logan's Run remake, which they don't need to make, but let's see how it goes. It's interesting. Even if you have Ryan Gosling, it does not mean that you're getting out of development hell anytime soon. I I, I think this 2003 uh, Rob Minkoff directed uh, Haunted Mansion starring Eddie Murphy, uh, There, there's always a variety of, of reasons why people, uh, you know, the, the studio execs, get cold feet. Um, but they, they always think that, well, it's, it's, it's a recognizable name. Just make some project around it and it'll do gangbusters. And they kind of thought, you know, they, they made a sorcerer's apprentice movie, you know, that was, a yes, they did. You know? um, but Didn't you know, yeah, at a certain point, you know, if Financial it was a, a Jerry Bruckheimer film, then they're just like anything will make a mint at the box office for a while there. That was a true statement. But I think in the wake of, this movie, which did not do so badly, I think it made like seventy-five million at the box office, but they only compared it to the the runaway hit. Ninety million, actually, was it one hundred and eighty? One hundred ninety million off of a ninety million dollar budget worldwide. Yes, there you go. So oh, you're think, only counting. Oh wow, how how Western centric of you? Yes, exactly. Well, come on, where, what else is there? No, that's true. Don't put me in that box. No. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I, yeah. So worldwide, well. What I'm ultimately getting at is it did not do nearly as well as no, Pirates of the Caribbean. So, yeah, in their mind, it is a flop. Well, um, so considering even how much it, they put into marketing, like, do you think that it probably just broke even in a way at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, for they, you know, they, they, they were going to do uh, a Disney uh, – sorry, Disney for Disney XD, they were going to do a, uh, a Haunted Mansion um, uh, animated special. Uh, Chris Grimley, who's an amazing artist, uh, he was going to, I think he was art directing or executive producing that. Uh, I had lunch with him and he, he told me about that. Uh, cool. Back in the day. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of Gris Grimley. If people don't know him, you should totally check. I don't, but what a name. Yeah. Gris, G-R-I-S, Grimley, G-R-I-M-L-Y. Probably wow. not his birth name, but we'll go with it. Oh, okay. That's, well, yeah, I'm going to assume that it is. And yeah, this was back in 2014. And they announced he was going to art direct it. And, and he told me, because I did a thing with him for Famous Monsters, um, but anyway, I, I digress because that never got made either. Um, and that languished in development hell in its own little corner of non-theatrical development hell thing. But uh, I think we've said about everything we could say about that. Well, yeah, I, I'm glad. Listen, I know that there's only so many Haunted Mansion properties that they're ever going to produce. So I'm hoping that most of the ones we get are going to be like theatrical scale, even though we'll get to the fact that they are making um a Disney Muppet. Right, a Muppet, a Muppet version. What is it? Uh, Muppet Haunted Mansion. Right? 
right? Yes, for, for Disney which I'm Plus. extremely excited about. Like, what more could we ever ask for? Yeah. The little trailer they made was adorable. And, I, yeah. I, I think Disney, like I was saying, you know, in, in the wake of failures, Disney likes to, they know that they've got some, a good thing going. And that some people believe in it and some people don't. And so they, they test the viability in different ways. And I think, you know, they, they test it. it. I think a lot, probably a lot more than we realize is riding on Disney, you know, the Muppet Haunted Mansion special. Um, and and I fear that with the Muppets not being as, as huge as they used to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, it might not do as well. And then, But you it's know. Disney Plus, so they can pretend. Well, they'll know. They well, they'll, well, they'll know. They'll look. They'll, the bean counters, bean counters behind the scenes will be looking at that and, and saying, "Well, this isn't going to translate into you know two hundred million dollar franchise." But you never know. You know, I mean, you, you it, don't know. If, if you look at you know, Disney has definitely they've made they've made a whole comic book, graphic novel, arguably series of the haunted mansion. You know, oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, there's 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 there's. I guess I would just call it a comic book. There's a whole comic book series um, of, of Haunted Mansion stuff. And so they they put that stuff out there and they're constantly creating new merchandise, new merch at the Haunted Mansion um, uh, that they that they now, you know, they only in the last maybe calendar year or two released Haunted Mansion stuff at the Disney stores that they have around the globe. Um, and these are all sort of little litmus tests, you know, to see if people really still love this as much as we would like them to. Yeah. Or maybe it's sort of just getting it back out there. Just trying to, it's like a promo of some kind. They, you know, it's like on Drag Race, how they haven't been, you haven't seen a contestant in a long time and she'll make the Christmas special before she makes all stars. Um, I don't assume that you'll know what I mean by that, but I think some people will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the haunted yeah. mansion, the haunted mansion comic book series, uh, I think it debuted in 2016. Oh, so it's recent. Yeah, and it's and there's a thing there's a thing called Disney Kingdoms, and uh, so it's it's like a, I think a five part series or something like that under the Disney Disney Kingdoms umbrella. I'm familiar, maybe with like uh, there's so many different Disney verticals, it's hard to keep track yeah. of all of them. But I, th- but I think I think what I will say is that you know, as a fan of Haunted Mansion, you know, like I looked at those comics. I didn't get them, but I did buy a Haunted Mansion book that was essentially the the, the grim gritting ghost song and the lyrics with beautiful cool. illustrations. Um, and I bought that for my kid, and that brought me as much joy. You know, I I, I get to if live vicariously. Yes, I get I'm to live vicariously here. through my own kid as an excuse to buy things for myself. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. One of the only things that seem appealing to me about having a kid is all (laughs) of the gateway horror properties that I get to uh, traumatize them with, hopefully. We're at the stage where we will go to a store and I will look at something and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to get this. And my son will look at me and say, is that going to be for you or for me? (laughs) Both of you. It's a family. It's fine. We'll share it, it, but I get the cooler one. No. Um, what was your gateway horror as like a kid? Like, like, yeah, you might have mentioned this already, but I don't know. I'm well, yeah, I mean, I, I was a total monster kid. I loved uh, horror. I loved monster movies. I, I called them monster movies when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Horror was not a word I used, but I, I watched Godzilla and Kaiju, you know, and Kaiju wasn't even a word back then for me. But Godzilla movies and all of Godzilla's friends, Gamera and Mothra and Ghidra mm-hmm. uh, or Ghidorah, depending on which movie and, you know, you're, but... It, all those and the universal monsters. I mean, I, 
I loved through and through, uh, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon and Dracula and Frankenstein, the Wolfman, all that stuff like that. The mole people, uh, the hammer horror stuff. I mean, I just ate that stuff up and I watched it on a tiny little black and white TV how you know, it's on meant Saturday afternoons. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it's meant. That's what the medium was on, on on legit rainy days when I could, you know, make make the stars align. But um, oh my god, it's like you're in Dairy Maine. I feel like <laughs> you were. I'm picturing it. But uh, I was always into anything that 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 required and any anything that that sparked my imagination you know um i really connected with and i'd watch these things and i'd watch it on tv or i'd watch it in the movies or i'd watch it as a, as a revival you know i saw the seventh voyage of sinbad on the big screen because my mom took me and it, it rocked my world and i saw abbott and costello meet frankenstein on the cool. big screen even though it was the small screen at my local public library. It was a Saturday <laughs> afternoon when I was projecting. Nice. And these just changed my world. And I'd race yeah. home and draw draw it all on paper. You know, I'd, I'd make uh-huh. my own comics in, in relation to the stuff I did, or just I'd, I'd, I'd draw my own scenes. And so I've always been an imaginative kid. Imaginative kid. Mm-hmm. And so doing what I get to do now, I, you know, I've always known growing up that I could not, you know, my dad was the guy who put on a, a suit and had a briefcase and went to, you know, Madison Avenue and, you know, New York City. And I never, I never wanted to be that. I that's admired the real my dad word. and I knew he that's was the, great. That's the true spooky stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's the, mm-hmm. that scared me more than scared. any of these things that I watched. And so I figured one yeah. day if I can make a living doing things that I always loved as a kid and never quite having to give it up. I'll do it, and uh, I get to do it now. I love it. I'm I'm jealous. I'm still I'm still uh, living the terror that maybe one day I'll have to do social media work again. So well, but knows? you know, you <laughs> clearly have one foot in something that you love because we're doing this podcast oh, yeah. now. And when I was thinking, well, what podcast would I ever want to do? Like this was such an obvious answer for me because this is something I've been obsessed with since I was a little kid. Well, it's a good angle. I I, I genuinely believe that because there it, it, it's. I when I made In Search of Darkness Part Two, one of the chapters in there was uh, unmade projects. Oh, I'm familiar. And uh, well, there you go. And so mm-hmm. you know, uh, having like Stuart Gordon talking about his you know Shadow over Innsmouth that he never quite got to make. Oh yeah, that's know. my favorite section. Are we going to get another section like that in Part Three? Oh, uh, I can't say. Maybe How I don't dare know. You. It depends. How dare. <laughs> Keeping us waiting. My, I'm focused on in search of tomorrow right now. So it's okay, that makes darkness. sense. I'll get to that next. I I really wanted to come see you guys at Beyond Fest. I think it was 2019. Yeah, 2019 and, in October. Um, and where I, we premiered. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. I had a, a short film in in the festival circuit at the time, and we didn't get into Beyond Fest. And it was just there's only so much travel money, and then it didn't happen. And I after covid hit I, I regret not going to everything that i wanted to go to well i'm sorry you couldn't make it and i'm sorry i'm sure uh, i'm glad you got your film seen in other places but, we did uh, thank goodness <laughs> well we, we 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 were the uh the tail end of a, a three day sorry three day during that day that we premiered it was uh, it was a sunday evening and during the day tom atkins was there uh, and it was a trio of his films um, I think it was Please Night of the Halloween Creeps. 3. I want to say it was Night of the Creeps, Halloween 3, maybe Maniac Cop. I can't remember what the third wow, one Wow, can you imagine if those were your films? You could just, like, 
like, fuck everyone else. Everyone's garbage. You know? So we, we were there at the tail end of that where we said, here's my four and a half hour movie. Enjoy. So, <laughs> yeah, it is a four and a half hour movie. But, but, which I... Oh, yes. Well, I was going to say, I, I give these people incredible... I, I give them credit for... We didn't do it four hours straight. We, we did two hours and then we took a break and had a Q&A and then we asked them, the guys are cool. that because it, they, they make it all cool. And uh, yeah, and that was yeah. the first time that anybody was seeing the movie and I got to see it uh, oh, okay. for the first time on the big screen myself. Oh, cool. And uh, I love the fact that. that people were like cheering when they, you know, their movie would be chosen or, you know, Joe Dante makes a clip about black and white films and, you know, the Psycho <laughs> remake and you know, everyone laughs and getting gets the biggest laugh of the, of the night. That was just absolute pure joy for me. I bet. I'm, I, it sounds beautiful, honestly. That is the word that I would pick. And also Beyond Fest, even though they're a new festival, have quickly become, you know, maybe one of the most exciting genre festivals on this side of the world. Yeah. So that's very cool. So I want to jump into maybe why the Haunted Mansion reboot didn't okay well this iteration of the haunted mansion reboot didn't happen and we don't have these answers so i had to speculate wildly but that's what i'm going to do right now so in 2012 alan horn became the studio chairman of the walt disney um studios i believe Mm -hmm. and several huge changes uh ensued after that so i believe this is the time when they started buying Marvel properties. This was, I think it was just phase one first, but then they also picked up Indiana Jones films, Lucas films, mm-hmm. obviously the whole Star Wars trilogy. And it just, be- oh, and then and then Marvel completely, I believe, in 2015. So it seemed like they were, you were talking about how a recognizable IP was safe for them, even yes. with the Haunted Mansion. It's an IP people recognize. But in 2012, with Alan Horn, it really feel like they were, doubling or tripling down on recognizable IPs to the point of, you know, huge, huge IPs were given the priority over everything else. Well, between, I, between that and, and the, the massive failure of John Carter of Mars, or it should have oh, been yes. called John Carter of Mars, but it was John Carter. Um, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's the reason why they, they put the, the Tron legacy, Tron legacy, follow-up they put that in a turnaround they were going to remake the black hole with joseph cool. kuczynski that doing that awesome. that got sidelined uh and that's all because of you know marvel and and the lucasfilm acquisition and doubling down on pretty much paying back the billion dollars or the four billion dollars that that cost uh or the many billions uh you know i mean they 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 already recouped their investment just from the merchandising alone I'm sure, uh, that, and I'm sure it was a said, great move. But, but it, that, that's the reason why we're not getting some of these other arguably some of these properties. titles. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it seemed like we weren't going to, and then progressed. We're, we are seeing these titles come out just in uh, ways we wouldn't have imagined. Like with Alien, I was worried that Disney, you know, was going to sit on the Alien franchise. But of course, now we have the Alien TV series. Coming. Right. And with Noah Hawley doing it, of all people running Who's it. Who's that? Can you Noah Hawley, uh, he's, a, he had, he's the guy who turned Fargo into a TV series. Oh, with, my God. With the That's... blessing and the help of and the autonomy of his, of his own vision. An amazing uh, series. Amazing. One of the best Very shows on television. So, yes. by all means, do Alien because you can't. It's only uphill from 
last and they finally are bringing it to earth i don't know if you're familiar but i feel like <laughs> nerds have been begging. they promised they promised that in the teaser trailer for alien 3 but i don't <laughs> yes, I, I know that i do i did a, an episode one of my biggest episodes was on alien 5 because mm-hmm. that's it's just so infamous i guess right right but yeah i, I had a deep dive into all of this alien stuff I, i'm all about the retcon uh, I think, Are I think you? I'm okay with that. I'm completely fine with retconning because canon, the, the, the longer, the older these things get, the more material that goes into the pipeline to make a franchise live, the more it can just go in radical directions that no one agrees with. And so at a certain point, if you just want to, you know, erase the whiteboard or wipe the whiteboard and start fresh and just bring back, Oh, you know, Hicks and Newt and, Ripley turns out they turned left instead of right in Albuquerque and it was all a bad dream. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. But what about all of these movies sharing the same title? Like three movies being called Halloween, two movies being called Scream. Halloween, this Halloween, does... Predator, Predator, Alien, Alien. Yeah, right? it, it, it makes my OCD just like a little bit on edge. I, I do love a subtitle. Yeah, I, underst- I just understand. Having been in development myself, uh-huh. Uh, and I was never one of the suits. I was a lackey. I was the guy. Sure. Who, I was, I, I, <laughs> you were a blazer. It's well, fine. That was it's the why thing. I wanted to get out is because, I, I, <laughs> listen, if you want to hit a quick, a quick digression, I mean, I was uh-huh. the guy who I did, I, I did, you know, script, I did script coverage and I did all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but one of the things I would have to do is we, we'd say, all right, foreign sales for a certain movie, put together a wish list cast. Uh, and it would be for some movie that was just like a dopey, like Dolph Lundgren movie or something like that. And, and I knew it would be either Dolph Lundgren or, or Jean-Claude Van Damme would ultimately be the person cast in this movie. Uh And I, and I, I, the first time I ever did it, I put this list together and they just, they looked at me sternly and I got reprimanded because I didn't put Bruce Willis Arnold Schwarzenegger, the the A-listers at the top. Uh, And I was just like, but they'll never do this movie. And they said, put them on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I believe that. (laughs) And I was just like, all right, if you want to be deluded, that's why it is called a wish list, I guess, you know? Yeah, this this obsession with celebrity, it just, I guess it just is co-assigning with obsession with money because that's what celebrity is I guess for these the, the biggest the biggest pain again with this digression uh, or this tangent is that I I, uh, I would read some really great scripts and I would have to pass on them simply because it wasn't the type of movie that we would make so I'd recommend it I'd say this is a great script but it's not for us but here's why it is a great script if you ever want to help it get made from someone Gosh. else but yes. I, I passed on so many amazing scripts and I had to I had to move a lot of mediocre scripts you know through the pipeline or even bad scripts where it was a good concept but it was really poorly written just saying just you know good concept buy it rewrite it and make it you know um but i i left whole thing left a real sort of did you ever get to see any of those tragedy scripts that you had to pass on but were beautiful get made yeah i I would say of all the of all the scripts that i read when i was reading them as only scripts the one movie that did get made that i really thought was really quite good was uh donnie darko wow you got donnie darko yeah i got donnie that darko and, iconic. And, and i said i i not- notably said this is a good script we should make this and they said yeah well, and they said we're not doing horror so pass 
<laughs> I don't. I, I. You know what? How do you sell Donnie Darko? I could not tell you, but it's it, more you know Twilight Zone, I suppose. For yeah, to be able to try and connect to it. Would it have been made? Would it have been a bigger film where you were than it ended up being? No, no, no. Uh, not necessarily. Yeah, no. I did. I, you work for Flower Films for Drew Barrymore? Was that you? No, no. no but it ended up going Barrymore. to Flower, and then yes. Flower did it. So yes, I know. Yeah, and no. she was in it. I, Good for you, Drew. Love you, Drew. It was a long time ago, so I cannot remember how I got it. Because I, I worked for MDP Worldwide, which is Mark Damon Productions. Uh, mm-hmm. He he was the guy who kind of brought Das Boot to America and and pioneered the uh, the foreign territory. Sorry, what did he bring to America? Uh, das Boot. Das Boot. Wolfgang Peterson. The, uh, the the it's a it's a German U boat thriller from okay. uh, the '80s, and it's really good. Well, um, I, I'm a homosexual. Uh, well, I think then, guy, and I just don't know what that is. <laughs> well, for all, listen, gay, straight, or, or, or however, however, or however you want to declare it, a bunch <laughs> yeah. of sweaty men in a in a a bunch of sweaty seamen in a tube. Oh my god! What have I what have that? I done? What have I done? This right, is... right. The pitch is there for you. It's right there. All right. Anyway, my mistake. But yeah. <laughs> but, but I, um, I go ahead. Yeah. So this was my roundup to why this didn't happen. Do you, as someone that is closer to this world than I am, would you have any other takes to why Guillermo del Toro's maybe slipped through the cracks? Uh, Guillermo del Toro is 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 infamous for taking on a variety of projects all at the mm-hmm. same time, with the hopes that if he champions ten movies at a time, fifteen movies at a time, he'll get to keep making them. And so he announces them as if it's going to be his next film uh, with all the hopes and dreams that it will be, but he just keeps the plates spinning. And uh, you know, he was going to do Pacific Rim two. He didn't get to do that. But I I remember I was talking to him and he said, Oh, you know, I'm in the middle of scouting for Pacific Rim two, you know, while I was talking to him about Crimson Peak, you know? Um, But he just doesn't make these things because he wants to, uh, but he's got so much else going on, and if it just doesn't, uh, it, it, you try and strike while the iron's hot. And if the money isn't there and it languishes, he's on to the next. And mm. I think he he wishes he could clone himself and do all of these things. But yeah, you know, he's still a, t- a time turner. Frankenstein, you know, his own version of Frankenstein, Pinocchio, all these things. Like yeah, that. Pinocchio is actually I, I, that must have been what fifteen years in the works, and I think it is actually happening with Netflix. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> I know. It's and, nice and to just, see and, when they survive. Any any Guillermo movie that gets made and distributed, I will see it regardless. Oh, me too. I'm ravenous for it. Well, uh, and and I would just want to add also you think, yeah. you think the dynamic would be different after The Shape of Water, you know, cuz of course for, it's not though. Yeah, it's for like, 5 5 minutes he was the most powerful guy in Hollywood, but then Yeah, I know. Passes. And I feel like all the cool kids turned on that movie the second it won best picture and I was so sad. I was right, like, it right. deserves well, it. Well, if the academy recognizes it. it, it can't be good, you know. Let the, the chubby spooky man have it. It's something, you know, this is, I relate <laughs> and I just want to see my kind succeed. Yeah. So the future of the Haunted Mansion. A lot of the projects that I cover don't really have a bright future and that's not the case. So we actually have some really good news for this IP. In 2020, Katie uh, Dippold, I don't know if I'm saying that right, mm-hmm. a writer on Parks and Rec and The Heat, was attached to write a new screenplay. So it's pretty clear that they're going in a comedy direction again. Uh, producer Dan Lin 
got attached to co-produce. And then a year later, we saw Justin Simeon of Dear White People, Bad Hair, and I believe the 2006 short film Rings, mm-hmm. which was like a in the Rings universe. And it was really good, if I recall. Yeah, he's it's all, too bad he- it... Well, yeah. sorry to inter- to jump in there, but he's also doing uh, the Lando uh, TV show for oh, Lucasfilm and for Disney Plus. Yeah, the, well, that yeah, makes he's okay. part so, he's part of that as well. Okay, that makes sense. He he's great. The Dear White People film is excellent. Mm-hmm. The TV show is also excellent. I haven't seen Bad Hair yet, and I thought, should I watch The Haunted Mansion 2003 or should I watch Bad Hair? And I made the <laughs> wrong choice. <laughs> You chose I I made... poorly. <laughs> I think I chose poorly. Have you seen Bad Hair? I have not, but uh, I am desperate to see it. I think Nicole Byer is in it, and I'm I'm a big fan of hers. So it's a really interesting choice for director. It's pretty exciting to see who they're going with. Do I prefer a Del Toro sensibility of spookiness, darkness? Yes. Um, is this a, a surprising direction? Yeah, and I think it, I'm excited to see what happens with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Del Toro has a very, very, very distinct visual style. You know, he's up there, you know, Tim Burton, Del Toro uh, are both cut from the same cloth, but you could definitely put them in different quadrants in terms of their, their style uh, and the way that things look. And, you know, arguably they both suffer a little bit from narrative uh, momentum and, you know, they, they, they excel if they have a really great script. If they don't have a really great script, it always looks great, but it might not be the best film. I don't know. I feel like one of them really should have stopped in about 2003. Well, that that's a whole other, you know, can of worms. But Imagine I, I, if I meant Guillermo del Toro. No, it's obviously not. Yeah, exactly. Well, but, but <laughs> del Toro himself was saying for the longest time with Haunted Mansion was that they just couldn't quite crack the script. Yeah, yeah. And then he also said that he had three scripts that he thought were ready to go and good. So I don't know. I really wish I could have seen what he would have done. Although at the end of the day, I didn't like Crimson Peak. So maybe I am just greedy, 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 and I don't even know what I want. I think this has to be whimsical. It cannot be creepy. Um, Yes. I think it has to be, you know, the the sort of the the ghostly colors and the, the ornate uh you know gothic mansions or whatever uh is it a victorian mansion gothic mansion or they're one of each actually on either side either way it, it it just has to really 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 be true to the disney uh imagineers and their vision uh yes. because i think that's the only way to really sell it to those of us who care enough to see it in the first place yeah i agree with you um i have a good feeling about it though and it does seem like they're Paying close attention to Haunted Mansion, because as we talked about, there's going to be the Muppet special for Halloween. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, we've just talked about them for a little while, but I think people were like disappointed to see the Muppets get absorbed by Disney and kind of feel like they're a little bit, I don't know if neutered is the right word, but... I wouldn't say they've been, well, I I would just say they've (laughs) been marginalized. I've been saying they were marginalized because they, you know, they, they were bought, Henson, they bought Henson a long time ago. Yes, and then never quite did anything with them. So at the peak uh-huh. of the Muppet popularity and power, uh, it felt like a, a bit of a, a strange union. It, it felt right, but it felt like, well, why does Disney need the Muppets other than to squash them? That's really yeah. how I felt. I mean, it, well, it's kind of did. sad. 
but it's like, well, the Muppets are, are, are gaining strength and power and popularity. Uh, our characters are languishing, you know, because we're not because making new Mickey Mouse animated movies. Wow, so why don't we so just buy them and put them in a corner and let them collect dust and put what out? What is more toys. evil than, than doing that to the Muppets? That's I, but I feel like, the, you know, history has demonstrated that's kind of what they did. Yes. Well, and they they are historically the kindest of companies, ironically. So, yeah. oh, that doesn't surprise me. Although that 2007 reboot film was adorable. Yes, 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 yes. I thought they did two of them. Um, yes, and the second one was less adorable. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think that it's very hard to uh, put my finger on. I mean, I just had my own personal mm-hmm. experience with my own kid who never took to them as much as I okay. tried to say, hey, let's watch you know, the Muppets. He, he, did, he only wanted to watch animated things. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, he'd, he'd kill me for saying it because he's way over it now. But like, mm-hmm. you know, the likes of Paw Patrol and, you know, uh-huh. he did watch, I actually, he watched a lot of the, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, that kind of stuff, uh-huh. yeah. um, which I thought was actually really good. I was like, oh my God, I have to watch this. And it turned out to be, I thought really I, I love that, good. Because I have a lot of problem solving and so on and so forth. And I digress. Listen, if Disney... But, can't do it no one can yeah yeah but they but he never quite took to the muppets and that's kind of the point and so mm-hmm. now that he's older and i want to be like oh the muppet movie is so fun because it's funny you know he doesn't know the yes, word subversive means but it's in there and i want to sort of explain that to him and it's wacky nonetheless but uh i guess i guess the uh the, you know the the alternative is that he's starting to get into the pink panther movies so okay well, that's that's a win in that column for me. Even though it's sort of well, I feel like you're doing a good job. I feel like he, he's being led down the right path. I'm Doesn't trying. mean he has to take. He has to come with you, but it sounds like he is. So. I'm trying. He likes some. He rejects others. <laughs> that's funny. I feel like I'm the one that got my dad into horror when I was a kid. But however we get there, there's no wrong way. You got your dad into horror because you were yeah yeah when I was like. We, 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 I like we found it together like he never liked it and I was fascinated and wanted to try it and he was like you know okay with it and then now we're both huge horror hounds well that's so, cool well but also it like, it's a bonding experience you know it's like oh, it, it's, it's, it's a it's a genre excuse to be together and enjoy something and talk about it and so oh. I would say horror what, is like 50% reason? of what me and my dad talk about and I don't say that with any sadness well that's wonderful yeah um, so I think we're nearing the end, and I just want to say, where can we find you online if you want to be found? If I want to be found online, uh, I, have a, I have a blog called itcamefromblog.com, uh, and on socials it's at itcamefromblog, and that's my sort of steady stream of, uh, of pop culture brain dump thoughts and, and, and writings and a lot of the interviews I've done, whether it was Entertainment Tonight or Famous Monsters or even just independent for the blog itself, it's all there. Um, and then everything related to, uh, you know, In Search of Darkness and In Search of Tomorrow. Um, my my Twitter account is pretty much the one I do the most, uh, and that's Tiki Ambassador. Uh, and you can find all about the movies from there, you know, at 80shorrordoc.com or at sci- 80s sci-fi doc you know way too many socials yeah. i've thrown at you but you know start I, with I, I know but i've seen them all and they're all they're all doing good so <laughs> do you say tiki because i feel tiki. like that ha- 
Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, Tiki. Yeah, and I feel like that that itself has a bit of a haunted mansion um, association. Well, just just down the street, so to speak, is you know <laughs> the, the Tiki 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 room. You know, yes, and, yeah, and uh, yeah, I get my um, yeah. That's and they it, had a reference to that in the two thousand and three movie, which was kind of cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so nice. Polynesian uh-huh. pop and all that. You know, your backyard backyard oasis and mix mixology of drinks and if you go to you know trader sam's uh yep. at disney is the ultimate tiki bar because you, you buy certain drinks and certain things happen either behind the bar or like a volcano oh or that's so cool it's I'm the ultimate for shit like that. disney coolness you know I so uh, yeah like you got that. a sea breeze or whatever it's called all of a sudden the whole place gets into like a you know a storm at sea and there's like a shipwreck it, it's so fun before anyway. we allow you freedom i'm gonna ask you when i was okay so 1997 when we went to disney world it was mgm studios we went to i remember we went to this like 1950s diner and it was black and white if i recall like everything was black and white and the waitresses yelled at you does that sound familiar <laughs> to you at all well there there was a very famous restaurant called ed debivics and i want to say that originated in chicago but the novelty of it was they you would go there to have yeah, the 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 servers would would be intentionally obnoxious to you, even though they're okay. They, they were nice. I love they, it. They, they weren't cruel, but they were. Uh-huh. You know, the, the whole it was a fifties themed restaurant where they would be obnoxious to you. They certain songs would would play and they'd blast it, and everyone would get on the tables and dance. All the like uh-huh. the busboys would drop what they were doing and jump on on the bar and dance. And uh, that's so cool. It was very 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 fun. And uh, I would think that that it was an extension of that where it was probably literal. Maybe it wasn't black and white, but it definitely was fifties. Yes. Yeah. And and you know they yell at you to go wash your hands, and it was just like I. That know, sounds like it might have been Ed, theater. Ed DeBivics. Okay, that's great. That's one of my long lost memories that we've now un- unpacked. So hopefully I'm okay after this. Um, well, that's everything for today. Thank you so much for coming on Development Hell. I'm so grateful. This was a really fun topic. Um, so yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, thanks, Josh. I appreciate being invited. And uh, I really enjoy talking about this kind of stuff because it's a little different than promoting a movie, which I'm always happy to do. But just you know, mm-hmm. any, any geekery, you know? So Yes, I, you know, truly. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell. Coming soon to Dread, the maid. Joy is the new maid of a royal house whose previous maid disappeared under mysterious circumstances and is now haunting and terrorizing the family. Joy works to uncover the reason behind the former maid's disappearance. The maid will be made available on demand everywhere July 20, 2021 and on Blu-ray August 17th. 2021.